Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. The countdown to the municipal election on October 24th continues with only two weeks left. The number of candidates left to interview continues to shrink. Please remember, I'm only interviewing the mayoral candidates running for office across Northumberland County. I will not be interviewing deputy mayor or council candidates. As I have said before, there's just too many of them. However, you can go to the radio station's website or the website for this show to find candidate information. The first interview this week is with Lori Carr, who's running for mayor of Port Hope. Let's get started. Here is Lori Carr. I'm so pleased to have with me today, Lori Carr, candidate for mayor of Port Hope. Welcome to Consider This Northumberland. Thank you. And uh, thank you so much for having me join you today, Robert. There may be some people who don't know you. So let's begin with you introducing yourself as a candidate for mayor. Okay. Uh, I am Lori Carr. I am a Port Hope resident and have been for over 25 years. I have three businesses in Port Hope, the longest being Cats Media, which we have had here since uh, 2007. Uh, I also co-own the Social Bar and Table, which we have had since 2014. And I co-own 26, which is a restaurant at 26 Ontario, and that has been uh, for two years. I am uh, currently a member of council. I am chair of finance and have been for the this current term, which has been four years. Prior to that, my um, my work was with committees, so so I worked uh, with the HBIA for four years. I also worked with the Downtown Revitalization Committee, and that was a three-year term. And I worked with the Economic Development Committee during the 2014-2018 uh, term of council, so I was on the committee. I was not a councillor at the time. And, uh, and then I moved from committee work and moved forward into council work. Your campaign website says, we need less red tape and more green lights. Can you give me examples of where you feel there is red tape? I think we've we've historically been somewhat slow dealing in the planning area. 
Now, I understand that there are a lot of checkpoints that you have to meet in order to satisfy the Planning Act. I totally, totally get that. But I, I believe that there is an easier way that we can work with the, with the small projects that, that our residents want to do. It should not be difficult for somebody to be able to get a, a deck in their backyard or to, um, to have a small renovation in their home. Different small things like that, we should, it, it should be more automatic. There should be a process whereby the, the resident can, you know, basically get a checklist from the planning department where it says, do these seven things and bring them back to us with, you know, if it's a, a situation where an engineer has to sign off or an architect has to sign off or whatever the case may be, bring it back with all of the proper documentation and signatures, and it should be much quicker to be able to approve projects like that. And I think that would that would go a long way with our the satisfaction level for our residents. Is that the only red tape that you see? Uh, I I would say that the the biggest red tape comes out of planning and development. I I think there's there's certainly some smaller smaller issues that could could potentially be resolved people have concerns at times about trying to download information off the website and and get um, get access to information of previous recordings and and um, previous minutes and that kind of thing because of course uh, you know only so much can be housed and we we just have to, I think, do a little bit of a better job at our archival systems, which I think they're working on. And I have every confidence that we will get there. Um, a new website was built for the municipality about three years ago. And we're, you know, we're seeing improvements since that time. But I think we still have a little bit of ways to go. Why did you not do any of this while you were on council? The process of council is each individual councillor or mayor is one of seven votes. And there are priorities that are, are set forward that based on the strategic priorities that are done at the beginning of a council term. So the strategic priorities that were set for our council term is where the focus goes. So both the financial resources and human resources go towards satisfying items that are on the existing strategic plan. If there's, if there's resource available, to you know, do something in excess of what's on that plan, then absolutely different things get prioritized and they get put into, into the uh, work plan for the staff. 
but if if the opportunity isn't there uh, from a, a human resource perspective to get that done, then it has to wait to be put onto basically a priorities list, which is managed um, by the CAO who ultimately oversees the staff. So this can come forward to them as a recommendation of things that need to be added. And when resources are available, then, then they do get added. And if it's something very critical um, from, a, from a resident's perspective, they certainly move up the ladder a little quicker. So how come you didn't make a notice of motion or put this forward so it would get on a list and move up the list as you just described? The the, um, the corporate services is currently working on the archiving and that process. So it's not that it's not on the list. It is on the list. It's not number one priority. And it is being worked on. From the, um, the planning perspective, uh, myself and another candidate actually who's running for mayor, uh, who is Councillor Jeff Lees, we took forward to the mayor and, uh, and the CAO that we had some reservations about the planning department. And it, you know, it, it took some time, but ultimately changes have been made in the planning department. I think, you know, the, the new director of planning is well on his way to changing the track that it was on. We are getting more accomplished in a quicker period of time. And I feel that there has been progress made on both of those items that I mentioned. I just think that we can, we need to go a little bit further with them. Again, your campaign website says you want to find ways to say yes. Mm -hmm. What do you want to say yes to? I want to say yes to our residents. Where we need to put the roadblocks up a little bit and, and say no is when there's larger developments that will impact our current way of life. When, as I mentioned, if, if a resident wants to put a deck in their backyard, they should be able to do that. There shouldn't be a big problem for them to do that. I want the mindset to be, yes, let's find a way to do that for you. And what we need to do is be more cautious and more discerning about the larger projects. We absolutely need growth. I am, I am not anti-growth in the least, but we need it to be managed growth and we need, to, we need to qualify where that is going to happen. And that's one of the reasons that I decided to run this time for mayor, because what's coming up in Port Hope is our official plan. And our official plan, which will be dealt with during this next term of council, is our roadmap for the next 10 years as to how we can properly manage development and growth. 
from, and we need development and we need to work with developers, but not all developers are the same and we need to work with the good developers. We need ones that are interested in our community, that are interested in the impacts of what they do and how that affects our community and our residents on a day-to-day -day basis. Just you know, taking over an area of land and clear-cutting it because it's easier than possibly working around uh, specific environmental areas. Absolutely, it's easier for the developer to, to go in with a totally clear-cut property. I understand that. But there's also creative circumstances that will enable you to still develop without doing that. And that's where we need to get to. So when we need to say no is then, not to somebody who wants to build a deck. Are you thinking of a specific example? Can you give us an illustration? I, I mean, there's been a, a, um, a grassroots group around Port Hope for saving our trees. And uh, there's been an area in Port Hope, um, which is the Penryn Woodlands, that the community has been trying desperately to save for the last two or three years. And it's still being worked on to try and save that. The developer is uh, certainly wanting to clear cut it. The community is certainly wanting to keep the trees. And we are now at the point where the Ontario Land Tribunal will be making that decision. And um, that will be a decision that will come down from the provincial level, from the Ontario Land Tribunal uh, in 2023 sometime. The Wesleyville land deal was an opportunity to expand the town and development opportunities. What was your reaction to the deal when it was released last spring? And are you interested in pursuing a possible deal to acquire these lands from the provincial government? I'm absolutely interested in pursuing these lands. Uh, one thing that I think is very critical for the municipality is to create what is known as a municipal services corporation. A municipal services corporation is 100% owned by the municipality, but it's an arm's length corporation that deals, th the one that I'm particularly interested in is a municipal services corporation for economic development. So there's a number of facets to it. The initial part of a municipal services corporation would be to set up that corporation that will take a look from a financial perspective at exactly where everything sits at this point in time in the municipality and they will get an understanding of that. A municipal services corporation is a, a number of local residents who actually volunteer to be on that committee. And it provides an efficient and cost-effective means to community development. And 
At, but at the same time, it will make progress on your strategic priorities. So to that corporation would look at where we sit right now. They would provide advice on funding our regular uh, operations and what has to be put in to each of the regular operations in order to operate effectively. And they would also be, look, they'd be visionaries. They'd be looking down the road and saying, where can we, where can we take some additional money and focus it towards something down the road? This is, this is where municipal terms can be a bit of a hindrance because they're four-year terms. So the, you're starting off and, and you're financing all of your operations and you may get to the point where you're able to kind of get a bit of a nest egg, so to speak. And often what happens is by year three, a mayor will look and say, well, we've got a bit of a nest egg there for something down the road and my term is up next year. So I would like to work with council and encourage them to do this project or that project. And a lot of mayors, certainly not just Port Hope, but all of Ontario and, and just in general, have done what is called vanity projects or legacy projects. Having a municipal services corporation takes that right off the table. They, they don't leave after the four years, they stay on and, and they're an ongoing group that will change, the board of directors will change, but it will always be a group that is working for the economic development benefit of the municipality. I have a number of questions out of that. And I, I think the first one is, is how does that relate to Wesleyville? Well, I think if we had a municipal services corporation, what they would do is put together in conjunction with council, a proposal for the rollout of Wesleyville. We need, there's 1300 acres there. There's about 600, 650 that are environmentally protected acres. So we need to, we need to do a plan for Wesleyville that will tell us exactly where we intend to be in one year, in three years, in five years. It can't be, it can't be a project that goes on into infinity. It's got to be something where there's a completed project within a certain time period. And I think if we prepared and offered the provincial government a proposal as to what the municipality of Port Hope is going to do, how they're going to protect the 50% of the land that is environmentally protected, what they intend to do with the industrial uh, zoning that's there and and what they're focusing towards and what they are going to do with the residential area that is there and what kind of homes are going in there. It needs to be a mixture of 
attainable housing, affordable housing, and, and general housing. It needs to have condominium. It's, it needs to touch a lot of different points. And we need to have that plan in place to provide that to the province, have it costed, have it timed, so that they can look at that and say, the municipality of Port Hope has a viable, logical plan here, and we can support the sale of those lands from OPG to the municipality. This corporation that you've described, it seems to hold a lot of power, and they're not elected. Isn't that sort of a dangerous combination? I mean, having council to do it, at least you have a responsibility, a democratic responsibility uh, to your constituents where this group sounds like it doesn't. Have I misunderstood or how does that work? It's an arm's length entity, but it's 100% owned by the municipality and they can't do anything without council approval. It's just an opportunity to have have residents we have a lot of really really engaged knowledgeable residents in Port Hope they are prepared you know there's a lot of people in Port Hope that are prepared to share their knowledge and and their skill sets in order to do something that will make this community better but isn't that what committee systems are for it's it is a form of a committee. Oh, okay. I'd like to move on. Okay. Um, affordable housing is at a crisis level. Yep. What role do you see council playing in addressing this serious problem in your term as mayor? I think uh, the first start was made when we just recently um, changed the bylaws to allow additional residential units currently in Port Hope. So we can we can now have up to two additional residential units. Of course, there's certain criteria that has to be met based on uh, land size and um, ability for water and that type of thing. Those criteria have to be met. But there is the opportunity now to have two additional residential units on a property. So that is, that is the first start. We now have to look at the rest of our bylaws and see where we can, where we can free up land that under our existing official plan is, is delegated for uh, build. And we need to look at the zoning and make sure that we've got an opportunity to build there that it's zoned the way that it needs to be zoned so that we can, we can get building done quickly and efficiently. We need to, we need attainable housing as well as affordable housing. And we need to work in conjunction with the County on this. Uh, There, the County is our, is our support staff. They're an ally to us. And we need to work with them hand in hand to to get some additional housing into Port Hope. And I think we have to be really noisy about that with the county. I think we're at the point where, you know, we 
we can't sit back and wait for anything to come to us. We have to aggressively go after that. Where do you stand on the Garden Hill development? I think uh, at this point in time, from what I see, I think it's an overdevelopment. I think it's too extensive for what can be handled. But I, I believe that we have to have all of the facts clear and in front of us before any decisions are made. The, the concern of the residents there is the, is the water and they don't believe that there's enough water to sustain the um, size of the development that's going in there. So the developer has done some studies but studies were done during a time frame where water tables are typically quite high at the end of the end of the um, the end of the winter. Whereas it's it's a totally different situation in July when things are dry. So we need to we need to get the studies done. We need to get them done at the different time levels to make sure that we know exactly what the situation is from a water perspective because if there's not enough water to sustain it we can't we can't be bringing in new builds there even though the zoning in that area is to have residential building there if we don't have the capacity for it it can't be done and then once we get the studies and, and understand from a water perspective where we're at, then we have to determine at what level can we go. Currently, the developer is asking for 43 estate lots and um, an opportunity for an apartment building of somewhere between 10 and 21 units. So that could be up to 64 units. And if the expectation is two people per unit, um, you know, we've got 128 additional people there and that's absolutely going to impact the water situation. So can the area handle 40 people? Can the area handle no people? We have to find that out from a water perspective. And that's number one. You alluded in your earlier remarks, um, but I'd like to talk about it directly, and that is homeless people. People are sleeping in tents and parks and other public spaces. Um, what can be done to address the immediate needs of these people and not just the mid and long-term issues of shelter? That's a really good question. Um, you know, and, and honestly, I don't have an immediate answer to that. I don't know how we can we can find a way to take care of all of these people immediately. I've I've spoken at great lengths. It, it's not just a question of having somewhere that is considered a shelter because not everybody is comfortable living in those kind of situations, and. Uh, we need to find we need to find ways to accommodate all the different requirements that people have. I, you know, I I want to be able to 
help everybody to have some kind of shelter. But for everybody, shelter is different. Some people want to be in a, in a group situation. Other people want to be outdoors. Other people want to be in a, in a personal situation, uh, you know, a shelter just for them. So we need to, we need to actually engage the people who are part of our homeless community and speak with them and find out what will make them comfortable and how we can help them to be in a situation where they are safe. Would you put people with lived experiences on a committee? Absolutely. Should there be an emergency shelter based in Port Hope? Yes, I think there should. How would you make that happen? Uh, I would work with uh, David Sheffield and Greenwood Coalition because he's far more of an expert than I am. And he has a, a greater connection and a greater understanding. And I think we need to work with people like David and uh, some of his team in order to find the best way to accommodate accommodate our residents that are homeless. How do you react to the county's plan for agricultural lands, the agricultural mapping that's going on? I have a lot of concern about that because I think it's really, really important that we protect our agricultural lands. If it's, if it's prime agriculture, it's got to be protected. I think the uh, county hasn't done a bad job. They've just finished their um, official plan and they have identified areas that are available there for growth, some of which are in the agricultural community. I have not done a, a deep dive into their official plan at this point in time, although I intend to do so. And, um, but I believe that anything that they are identifying as areas for growth would not be prime agricultural land. And we just have to be incredibly cautious about taking up any of the land that could possibly be used for farming. We're an agricultural community and we have to remember that when we, when any decisions are made for uh, the municipality of Port Hope, we have to remember that we are an agricultural community first and that has to be the number one thing that we protect. Planning committees are jam-packed with people looking to develop individual lots. With the county wanting to concentrate development in focus places like hamlets, villages, and towns, are you at all concerned at, with the kind of piecemeal development that will be impacted by these people looking to develop individual lots? Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Well, I think I think it could be either. And that's why it's so important with what we're doing right now with our official plan and with our zoning bylaw review, we have to make sure that we get that right as a municipality. And the thing I like about the official plan is there's, it's mandatory to have 
public input. So it's it's a plan that everybody has an opportunity to develop and they can share in that plan. And if if the residents of, of our community share in the creation of that plan, then they own it, they have buy-in. And so we start with the official plan, which is our blueprint. And then we, you know, we put the specifics into it through our zoning bylaws. So we have to make sure that we rightly zone every specific area so that we don't end up with anything piecemeal. What more can council do to help local business? I think there's uh, partly due to COVID, um, partly due to other priorities. There hasn't been enough enough co um, focus on bringing tourism into town. Of course, the last couple of years, nobody wanted tourism into town, and that's understandable. But that's you know that's not a common situation. So we need to work very hard on bringing tourists into town. And that's why one of the, um, one of the items that I talk about in my platform is community identity, because we have to know who we are and we have to know who we're encouraging to town. And that's why I was saying, you know, a few minutes ago that we, are an agricultural community and we have to we have to keep that in mind with all of our decisions whether it be how we bring people to town how we manage our our uh, official plan how we manage our zoning bylaws it all has to be with that community identity as part of our logic for why we make the decisions we make there has been a steady increase in property taxes during your terms. What can you say to people listening who might be concerned about their property taxes going up? Okay, so first you said my terms, and I've only been one term. So Pardon me, pardon me. Um, so just making that clear. Yeah. And property taxes have actually not gone up any more than the cost of living during the terms that I have been on council. So bearing in mind that when your tax bill comes out, a percentage of it is municipal, a percentage is county, and a percentage is education. So I think we have to work very, very hard in the municipality of Port Hope into being a little bit more assertive from a county perspective. I don't feel that we in this, in this municipality get back what we put in to the county. And I think we have to be pretty noisy about that during this next term of council. I, you know, when you look at the total dollars that we put in, we're not getting those total dollars back. And we've got, we've got to be more assertive about getting that back. So I think that's a, that's a huge impact on our taxes. 
And we have to work very hard on that. If I heard you correctly, you said that the increases were inflationary. Did I hear that correctly? That's correct. Yes, we've kept them at around 2% each year for the four years I've been in. All right. So recently, inflation has been at 7 and 8%. Mm -hmm. How are you going? I mean, is this something we're going to expect as an 8% increase in, in taxes? Or what, what should we expect going forward with such inflation? Well, actually, so budget comes up in December. It will be a brand new term of council that will be dealing with our budget for and, and having to deal with a 7%, 8% kind of inflationary number, um, which is why I think it's really important that somebody like myself is elected to be mayor because I understand the budget process. I've done it for the last four years. To, to walk into a municipal role and walk into the mayor's role as somebody who has never ever had any experience on municipal council in the least, I think is near to impossible. The, the first year that I did the budget and was just learning, I had a lot of help from our mayor because he was into his second term. And he gave me a lot of help and a lot of advice our deputy mayor as well, because he was into his second term. By the uh, end of my second year, I was quite capable of, of managing the running of the budget myself. But, you know, if we have a brand new finance chair and we have a mayor with absolutely no experience, I fear we could have a lot of problems with our budget in uh, in 2023. So it, it's a big cause for concern for me. And it's one of the reasons that I'm running for mayor. What do you think is going to have to happen if you're going to get the tax rate in at a reasonable level then? I think there's there's a few things that have to happen. One is... We have to we have to work very hard on increasing our revenues. Some of that can be done through user fees. Some of that can be done through um, development. We've got we've got development that has been um, progressing, and we need to make sure that that we're realizing as much as we can from what we've got out there currently. There are also some areas that we're probably going to have to cut back on because it is more expensive right now to do things like building. And those, those areas have really, really been hit hard by the inflation inflationary numbers. So we've got to be very cautious and we've got to pick and choose what we work on uh, for major projects in 2023 so that we're not working on the ones that will be as, as grossly impacted by the price increases in, in certain areas. There's other areas where it hasn't exploded as much from a cost perspective, 
And maybe we just need to realign a couple of things. And, you know, if, if the expectation was that we were going to take on this project in 2023 and a different one in 2024, perhaps those have to be flipped around if, if one is better from a cost perspective as to where the expenses are sitting today. You alluded to the fact that Port Hope doesn't get good value for the dollars that it invests. I wonder if you could give me a specific example of what you're talking about. Do you mean from a county perspective? Yes. When you were talking about the county, you were saying that we Port Hope doesn't always get the same advantage or get its return the yeah, same way. Most of the most of the building that is done from a county perspective, be it um, affordable housing, be it um, long-term care, the hospital, most of it is done in Coburg. I understand that because logistically, it's more of a central area for the seven member municipalities. So I do understand from a logistic perspective why that is done, but that does not help the other six member municipalities that are getting limited building through uh, county efforts into our municipalities. And I, I, you know, I asked the question last year of the CAO from the county, and, and I said, how do you identify where you spend your money when you're doing your budget from a county level? Do you, do you um, allocate based on the seven-member municipalities, uh, based on how much they input, or do you, you know, commit to doing so much in each count uh, in each municipality, or do you operate strictly on a needs basis? And the answer I got was it's strictly on a needs basis. So we just have to make our needs very, very aggressively known. What do you do when you're not doing politics or running for mayor? How do you relax or what do you do for fun or do you have any hobbies or guilty pleasures? <laughs> I, um, well, currently I own three businesses. So, um, you know, there's not a whole bunch of time for, for uh, guilty pleasures, as you call it. Um, I love to read. I do a lot of reading. Um, I, I really enjoy movies. I, I love sports. I'm a little limited. I have a shoulder issue, so I'm a little limited in what I can do currently from a sports perspective. I was always a very big golfer, but, uh, that's taken a back seat for, for now until I get my, uh, shoulder issue sorted out. Um, I love to walk. I love to be out on our trails. We have beautiful trails. It's um, we have a beautiful municipality. There's I love to just be out in it and, and seeing people and, and seeing our our 
wonderful nature that we have around us. We've got a lake, we've got a river, we've got beautiful Northumberland Hills. We've got, we've got so much that, you know, you don't really have to go very far to have a wonderful day if you're, if you're not working that day. Why will you be a good mayor? Because I'm ready to go. I think I'm. Um, I think I'm the candidate that is. It can hit the ground running. I understand our finances. I understand our um, priorities. I understand where where things have come from and where the expectation is that they are going to go. I'm because my background is a media company. We do, we have always done everything collaboratively. Um, when, when we have a client come in and they want a marketing strategy, we sit down together, we brainstorm with, the, with all of our team, with the client, with anybody else, the client may want part of it. So I'm used to working in a very collaborative situation. And quite frankly, whether you're mayor or councillor, you are one of seven votes. And if you can't work effectively and collaboratively with the other six people on council, you are going to have a very non-productive four years. So I think my ability to collaborate, my um, and and my ability to really want to listen and understand people is going to pay dividends for for our council moving forward. Lori Carr, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Robert. It's been terrific talking to you. That was Lori Carr, who is running for mayor of Port Hope. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.